When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Firstly, we'll look back at a dramatic final round of the T20 Blast group stages and look at England's first two T20s against Pakistan. But later on in the show, it's all about the 100, which starts finally this week. We'll hear from the Australian legend Shane Warne, the England Test captain Joe Root, as well as the likes of Ben Stokes, Josh Butler and Sam Curran. As well as that, we'll also be joined by Welsh Fire head coach Gary Kirsten and ESPN Crick Info's senior writer George Dobell. Plenty to squeeze in today. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on Talk Sport 2. Well, Harmi, um, the man of the week perhaps has been Liam Livingston. Uh, what a stunning series. What an incredible 100. Oh, and Morgan said his 100 against Pakistan was one of the best he's ever seen. And then, of course, there was that six, yeah. which left Headingley. Yeah, I was going to say, it's left headedly. It didn't even, I don't even think it hit the rugby ground. I think it went, it was on its, it was definitely going over the 22 yard marker. I know that when it was, it was still going up. That was the amazing part about the six. It was, it was still going up as it left headedly. So it was like a golf ball going off and it just kept going. You hit his heights and I, the kid played brilliant. The kid played brilliant. Hopefully this is a light on moment for, for Liam. I don't think his talent has ever been in question. I think we all knew that there was a talented boy in there. I think it was just the mentality of getting his head around playing international cricket at the top level. And I think a lot of that has been going around the franchise world and playing in different environments, playing with different players, playing with different coaches. And I know we're going to talk to Gary Kirsten a little bit later on, but understanding and getting it, just getting information off these, you know, these former great players to make you a better cricketer. And I think that's what's happened to Liam. Um, and I'm really pleased for him uh, as long as he keeps his feet on the ground and understands what talent he's got. And I'm sure he will. I know the management people around him. Um, it's, uh, he's got a good, good man on his shoulder and Neil Fairbrother. So I know for a fact that he's going to be level-headed. He's going to be grounded. 
um, and he's not going to get too carried away. And be, with that, I think the kid's got a bright, bright future because the innings, I'm with old Morgan. I thought that was as good a 100 as I've seen at the shortest format. It might be a small ground. It might be in a good pitch. You've still actually got to hit the ball over the rope and, con- and, and construct an innings. And I thought he did that absolutely brilliant in that first T20. Magnificent from Liam Livingston. This is what Mo and Ali, by the way, had to say about that uh, that Livingston six after the game. He's playing so well and he's a fantastic player. And he gives us that power that we need sometimes um, yeah. in the middle. Always, uh, he's very confident at the moment and he's play- like I say, he's playing well. But I also seen Hickey hit one here um, years ago, playing for Worcester off the back foot, half volley. Hit Goffey over the stadium, so that was that was just as big. But no, no, that was huge. That. So a couple of other questions, just quickly. Um, it feels like it's about the seventh or eighth player I've asked you about this. Can Liam Livingston become a fixture? Should he become a fixture in England's T20 team now? And <laughs> where, where, whose place does he take? Yeah, whose place does he take? Having sat here for the last two weeks and talked about Joe Root having to be in the squad. He might have just took Joe's place. To be fair, I think he might have just nipped into that into that number number six spot or in that batting order that can potentially bowl. We've seen a small sample of 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 what he did with the ball. I think we've seen a small sample of England's mentality over the course of these two games, They're gearing up towards Abitania, the UAE, and the World T Twenty because they're playing Parkinson, they're playing Rashid, they're playing Moen Ali. And they've got another option in, in in Livingston. Milan hasn't scored the runs that he would like. That he's because he's world number one. But I wouldn't discard him because even though I have mentioned Joe Root and you know, a lot of people do push Milan to one side because he's not as a, a fancied name or a big superstar like you know the, the likes of the Butlers, the Stokes, and people like that. But Milan is still his numbers are still unbelievable. His numbers are still the best in the world. But I think Liam Livingston has just maybe nipped in and thought and, and, and took that that spare batsman spot. The only thing I can say, man, is if I was ECB and the selectors, I'd be praying and praying for an extra three players from a from for like the COVID uh, bubble. I, if I have to pick fifteen, I've got no idea which one fifteen I'm going to go with because this is a ridiculously strong squad. Even at eighteen or nineteen, you're still you're still leaving a side out would would probably beat seven or eight of the test player nations that are going to the T20 World Cup. I just think that's how strong England are at the minute. But for me, Livingston has, has not just penciled his name in. I think his name is in an ink now. I believe that uh, the way the T20 World Cup squad system will work is that uh, is that teams will all have to nominate COVID substitutes, but they won't actually travel. Imagine that. Um, you're in the squad, but you have to stay at home. You can't come with us and you're not allowed to go outside. <laughs> Can you imagine that? You've got so it's going to be when is it? October, November, right? So here's one for you. You are you are Liam Livingston in Manchester. It's been raining for the best part of a month. It's about four degrees, and I am now got to get on a plane, get off a plane after twelve hours flying and travelling time. Have about forty five COVID tests, pick a bat up, and go and bat in forty degree heat. Good idea that is. Well done, ICC. Brilliant thinking that one. <laughs> um... I was going to ask you about whether Matt Parkinson could uh, seriously challenge Adil Rashid uh, in the future as well. But let's just hear from um, Paul Collingwood uh, about Owen Morgan's form. It's funny how we always talk about Owen Morgan being out of form when he doesn't score runs for two innings. Um, But this is what uh, Paul Collingwood had to say about Morgan's form. 
we all know what Owen Morgan do, can do. He can play in an innings as, as, as good as what um, Lean played last night. Sometimes in T20 cricket, it takes one shot um, to get yourself off and running. Um, so I've got no concerns with um, with Owen's form. One thing I do know about him is he'll not die wondering. He'll not eat up balls because he, he you know, he, he wants to get himself in. He'll he'll go out there and um, and, and try to score boundaries and, um, and get himself back into form that way. That was Paul Collingwood, who, of course, uh, is a T20 World Cup winner himself back in 2010. So, Harmi, I asked you uh, whether Matt Parkinson could challenge Adil Rashid uh, in future. Yeah, I don't think so much a challenge. I think he could be the, the, the next one in waiting. Parkinson, I think he's bowled well so far in his, his international career. He's had a big learning curve. He had two good overs at Trent Bridge and then went for two big ones. And I think he got better in the next game because of that, because he was obviously thinking about what had happened in the game. So that, for me, gives encouraging signs that he's learning on the on the job of international cricket. Adil Rashid, is, for me, he's, he's been England's, he's been Owen Morgan's go-to man. And I know Paul, Paul Collingwood said about how they're not worried about Owen Morgan's form. I wouldn't be either. I think this guy rises to the occasion at the big stage. So I've got no problems with, with Owen Morgan. But Parkinson... Because they're playing in the UAE, because they're playing in the, the shorter format, I think Parkinson and Rashid could play in the same side, along with potentially a Moen Ali or a, a Liam Livingston or a Joe Root as your third spinner, because I think England needs three spinning options as the tournament goes on because of the pitches wearing. Let's turn our attention quickly to the T20 blast. And I know that all cricket fans will be aware of this, um, uh, this in- extraordinary story with Hampshire, who appeared to have very, very little chance, if, if not no chance, of reaching the quarterfinals. But because even if they won, they seemed destined to be uh, short on net run rate behind Surrey. And yet their final game against Glamorgan, they chased down 187 in 13 overs. James Vince with 39 off 21, Darcy Short 69 off 30. And Joe Weatherly's hasn't scored very many runs of late, 43 not out of 13 balls. Let me just say that again. They chased down 187 against Glamorgan in 13 overs at an average, at a scoring rate of just under 14 and a half. And if they had scored those runs in 14.1 overs as opposed to 13, Surrey would have gone through to the quarterfinals. Who would be a bowler, Manners? Who would be a bowler? It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But fair play to Hampshire. We did say at the start of the tournament that Hampshire would be one to watch. Um, and they fell, away, fell by the wayside a little bit in that middle period, but they managed to get themselves in a quarter-final spot. Um, and Surrey, Surrey will be disappointed. Surrey will be disappointed. They've had a poor, poorish championship season. You'd expect the Brown Hatters to be at the top of of all the formats or contesting the all the formats. And even, uh, you know, even so, if even if they'd scraped in fourth into the quarterfinals, you'd still back Surrey to be one of the teams that would get you to finals there, potentially go on and win it because of the, the big players they've got. Um, so there'll be question marks down there on, on, on regrouping and how they, they move forward from that. But fair play, Hampshire. Yeah, the, to, 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 to know your total and what you've got to get it off, yeah, is one thing. But then to go out and get it, I think they lost the first wicket at the 7.1 overs, were 101 for one off 7.1. That is a fantastic start by James Vincent Darcy Short. So they deserve to be there, the way they play. And a word uh, to the Birmingham Bears as well, who rose to the occasion in their um, must-win derby against uh, Worcestershire. They 
they had to win to, to reach the quarterfinals and and they did it so uh birmingham bears against kent is uh, that's a that's a really mouthwatering prospect uh, well they all are actually to be yeah, fair completing the quarterfinal lineup yorkshire against sussex nottinghamshire versus hampshire somerset versus lancashire and kent versus the birmingham bears and you know you you look at those eight teams and you're not going to say nobody or anybody's lucky to be there no, there's some you know fantastic sides in there that all know the grounds that they've been playing on. That the home advantage is going to be key in this quarterfinal. You know the the guys down at Somerset they know the dynamics of the ground and you know the, the areas, the bigger areas to hit into, which you know, they were comfortable. I watched Lancashire. I watched Lancashire in a game against Durham. They came unstuck. Um, Liam Livingston played well, but they came unstuck because they played on such a ground. The ground at Durham was massive. And it's, it took them about six overs to work out that you, you haven't got to try and smash it out of the ground. This ground is too big. You know, it's too big. It's far too big. And the game plan that Lancashire had, it didn't register until later on. And by that time, it's too late. And the game was gone and the loss. And that's how quickly 2020 goes. So that's what 2020 being a home advantage gives you. Your back knots with a powerhouse that, that, that knots have got. But you've just seen Hampshire chase 180, 185 and 13 overs. So from that... That is the for me. That's the tie of the tie of the quarterfinal, and it wouldn't surprise me if the tie if, if if the winners of that tie goes through. On the other hand, if they get to the finals, dear, are the England players going to be allowed to play? Which that brings in people like you know Sussex, you know with Archer if 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 they come back into it, um, as well as Lancashire with the likes of Josh Butler, Matt Parkinson, and whoever and Mahmood as well. So. Home advantage, got to get themselves over the line. But if finals day comes, then it could come down to who's got the biggest England players coming back after the 100 and in between test matches. So, But the tie of the round for me is not Hampshire. Be a beauty. One little oddity on that fixtures on the, on the quarterfinals is that uh, the race for a home quarterfinal is irrelevant in Yorkshire's case because they will play Sussex at the Riverside because yeah. that's taking place the day before the Headingley test match. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Next up, we'll turn our attention to the 100 and speak live with ESPN Crick Info's senior writer, George Dobell. This is TalkSport 2. Because it's change uh, doesn't mean it's not going to work. You know, we're, we're the people who are taking part in it and we're so excited. So excited for us to have a a franchise tournament, we're really excited to see. It's such a massive moment for us in, in England and I'm really excited to, you know, for the start of the tournament next year. It's our franchise tournament, it will propel players in, in, into, into the spotlight more. It's a pretty exciting concept, pretty simple and um, hopefully it can attract a new audience that we want to perform in front of and hopefully teams can choose the oval. <laughs> Just can't see how it's not going to be a success really. It, it, you know, you, you look at it for what it is, the players that are involved, Overseas players, the superstars of the game, they've all wanted to come to this competition. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Well, it's been years in the making, but this week we finally see the launch of the inaugural 100 competition. And as you heard there, the likes of Ben Stokes, Sam Curran, Joss Butler and Matt Parkinson are all looking forward to it. Time now to hear, though, from Australian cricket legend Shane Warne, who'll be the head coach of the London Spirit. And he thinks adding another format of the game is a good thing for English cricket. I mean, I was a few years ago and I thought, you know, uh, about the 100, I thought, oh, do we really need another form of the game? And then listening over the last couple of years about 
10 balls, five ball overs, or if you call them overs and all that sort of stuff. Uh, the 100 draft. Um, I thought, you know what? If you think back to T20, you thought, geez, we all thought, what's this? This is a gimmick. What do we need another form for? But I think this has got longevity. I think this will last for a while. And I think it's got a completely different audience that could um, really attract this. So I think it's, it's going to be good. Are you looking forward to working with, with Ed Morgan, of course, the captain England to, to World Cup success? Um, are you looking forward to, to the partnership you and him are going to have over, over the next year or so? Yeah, really looking forward to it. I think uh, Morgs is the best white ball captain going around. He's a terrific leader of men. Uh, I think he'll make players play better than what they are and above themselves. I think he'll, tactically, we've got an advantage against all the other sides because of Morgs. Uh, so I've been really impressed with Morgs commentating, watching him, but now working with him the last week or so has been magnificent in talks we've had. Yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to it. He's great. That was London Spirit head coach Shane Warne speaking to Talk Sports' Sam Ellard. I'm delighted to say that we're joined live on the line now by ESPN Crick Info senior writer George Dobell who has written many thousands of very fine pieces. But uh, this week, his uh, piece on the 100, uh, of which he remains unconvinced, I think it's fair to say, drew enormous attention. It was extremely honest. And I, I run the risk of trying to praise it. I, I must say to all our listeners, you best uh, go and read it if you haven't. But George, I think it's fair to say that you make the point that a regional competition and something new um, and, and a boost for the game was all fair enough, but you say the ECB have got the product wrong. Is that right? Is that fair to say? I don't know that the product's wrong, you know. I, I don't doubt that the cricket will be entertaining. I, I really don't. I, I really like cricket, and I think it's good whether it's played over 100 overs, 100 balls, whatever. I, so I, don't, I can cope with all the sort of the, the stuff that other people might not like which I know has been sort of perceived as gimmickry. I don't mind that at all. Uh, my, my worry is the, the sort of the collateral damage. And by collateral damage, I mean the damage to the long existing formats of the game. So I think in introducing this new format, we're damaging T20. I, I would categorically uh, say that we are. We're damaging the 50 over competition in particular, and we're even damaging our test team. So what seems odd to me while, while acknowledging that the ECB had reasons to shake things up and do things differently, I completely, in fact, I applaud them for trying to do something. Uh, I, I think that uh, we've said we're very reliant on this uh, revenue stream, which is international cricket. So let's try something else. But if you're reliant on a revenue stream, you would think that you would nurture it. And, and it seems to me we're endangering it. And just, just to give you an example, England are uh, 50 over uh, world champions, the men's and the women's team fantastic achievement and we're celebrating that by the best limited overs players no longer playing any 50 over cricket and I know that sounds absurd but what's happened is the best 100 or so players have either been taken out by England or by the 100 and so they're not playing the domestic 50 over competition anymore well what will that do to England's 50 over team in a few years time you can't tell me that it's not damaging and equally we've squeezed the um county championship into I think I said in the piece that you know by the time it finishes you can hear the Pogue singing and uh, and when it starts it's it genuinely it snows every year now that didn't used to happen uh, and the T20 Blast which is a fantastic competition which I do not believe couldn't have been the vehicle to more growth has been squeezed into a much shorter window so it's much less um, financially viable so I think the ECB have taken a huge 
unnecessary risk when all they needed to do was get our great game seen by a few more people on free-to-air TV. George, could we, could we have, uh, could the ECB have moved it back a year? Would that have been financially possible? I'm just thinking out loud in what we've got, COVID situation that we've got at this minute in time, England versus India, big powerhouse in test match cricket. When, when last year it was going to be, you know, Pakistan and West Indies, not as, as fashionable as other teams. From, from a financial point of view, could this have been moved 12 months down the line or would that have killed it completely? It's a good question. I mean, to be fair to the ECB, they're in a really tough position. And I, and I get that, you know, COVID hasn't made it any easier. All I would say is there would always be these problems. You know, you, you, you say that last year, and you're right, is not quite as fashionable an international summer. But every one of those games would have sold out in England. Make, make no bones about it. English, English international cricket sells out almost every day which is an amazing thing, which is why I think we should nurture it and appreciate it. Uh, could they have moved it back? I mean, really, that's a question you've got to ask the broadcasters. I think Sky in particular have been quite patient with the ECB. And, you know, they, they'll, they maybe take one year, but, you know, they have spent hundreds of billions of pounds. I mean, that TV deal altogether is worth over a billion pounds. I know that most of that is on um, international cricket, but, you know, the hundreds of factor as well. They probably felt that they had to push on. I, I just I don't want them to hide behind COVID while accepting that COVID is a huge complication. A lot of these complications were always going to be there. You know, India were always going to be playing West Indies about now in the in, in, international calendar. The FTP, the Future Tours programme, that has been there, I think, since 2017 or 18. I found a piece where I had written about it from three or four years ago. So the idea that there were going to be all these international players available was always a lie, really. I, I think it is a lie because they're always trying to, it's like a Ponzi scheme. They're always suggesting, oh, look, all these players we're going to have in there. There was never a, any chance that it was going to be absolutely the best players in the world all the time because the international schedule, as you know, is unrelenting. So it was always keep competing with all these other leagues, you know, the Caribbean Premier League, the IPL, all these other leagues, which are very attractive as well to, to players. So I think that, that the ECB might be able to use COVID to say, well, you know, it wasn't perfect this year, but we'll have another go next year. I think there'll always be problems. But on that on that one problem that we seem to have had throughout this this whole thing is being COVID. We didn't have that when it was announced at 100. Yeah. This one problem could cause the, uh, the end of everything if one of the teams has a COVID outbreak inside inside their, their camp because we've seen so far in the blast points per game going with, I think it was Derbyshire and a game being called off. Yeah, yeah. What happens if this comes into a hundred, there's no replacements, there's no academies, there's no second teams that comes with it. What happens? Well, you can guarantee, you can guarantee they will bleed the county system until it is dry. Uh, and so my, my issue uh, equally, I might say to you, so the hundred will be okay, I think because the 100 will insist on the games going ahead and they'll keep going down through the system. Now, you know, when the 100 was launched and they talked about some of the players who were in it, you know, Steve Smith and Stark and you know, Warner and all these people, Rabada, um, and now we have, you know, uh, decent county players, but people you see every day of the week um, uh, have been involved. And what will happen is I think they'll just keep going down through the system. You'll You'll end up with, 
you know, second team players, won't you, from counties, ended up in the hundred if there's an outbreak to ensure the show goes on. And that's that's okay. But it does mean that those county teams won't be able to put sides out in the Royal London One Day Cup that is going on at the same time. So so the problem will always be, you know, county cricket is hit again and again to make room for the hundred. And eventually, if you devalue county cricket, you damage the England sides. George, just finally, um, what would the ECB say to Vitality, uh, which has seen their product significantly changed? I mean, counties are playing three or four games a week in the new format. And, and also, what would you say to Royal London? Well, what, 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 we, we've, taken, we've taken your money for a product and we've devalued it massively. Well, the ECB have done this before. If you remember, Investex signed a 10-year deal with the ECB. And then uh, the ECB also signed up NatWest for the, for the same England side. So you've got two competing banks being signed for the same thing. And Investex said, sorry, we want out. That's what happened. So what would I say? I'd say it's shoddy. I'd say it's really, really shoddy. Uh, and, so, you know, obviously you damage the long term relationship with both sponsors and spectators and supporters. Look, I, I, I again, I don't want I, I can feel myself starting to rant again, Manners. I can feel it coming on. And I, and I don't I, I'm not anti change. I'm not anti the format. What I'm anti is the sort of wanton destruction of the county game, which creates the England sides, which are terribly successful. And, and we're doing it unnecessarily. I believe in the product. I believe in the game. I just wish the ECB had the same belief that I have. If we got the Vitality Blast T20 on free-to-air TV just a little bit more often, I honestly believe that another generation of people would fall in love with our great game. We've still got a great game. It's why I'm actually optimistic. But I don't come from a cricket, particularly cricket-loving family. My gateway drug, if born to a better expression was the John Player League, the Sunday League, which was on BBC Two for years. And it was marvellous. And that, that, I think, is all we needed to do. And for some reason, it's become so much more complicated. It probably started off with good intentions. Goodness me, there's a lot of ego involved now. Mm. And it just seems they need to force it through. But I say again, I, I, I do applaud them for trying to do something. Our game was slipping to becoming a bit of a niche sport. But the main issues are these, just, just to recap. If, if the ECB hadn't got rid of the premier domestic women's competition, the Kia Super League, and if the ECB hadn't allowed the game to disappear behind a paywall for 20-odd years, none of this would be necessary. The ECB have screwed up again and again, and this is their panicky solution. And while I yeah, accept that something needed to be done, you know, you don't necessarily jump overboard when your ship has a problem. And I think that's what they've done here. And I think they are sacrificing the other formats of the game and i think it's short-termism uh, you know there's a there's a lot to worry about and i i don't even know that i want it to succeed which is a funny i don't know how do you guys feel about that i mean harmony what do you think i want it to see i want it to succeed because I, I think it's important that the game evolves and moves and goes with it my worry and the question i asked at the start could we kick it down the road for another year mm. because my initial thoughts is in this next five, six weeks period, we're not just competing with India. We're going to take, we're going to have to take, and the test team comes first. We're going to have to take 18 of our best players out of, out of a competition that we are trying to market as the best competition that's going to not save English cricket, but promote English cricket to a whole new level, a whole new, a whole new audience. And out of that 18, other than probably Leach, Broad and Anderson, I think the rest are coming out of the 100. 
and that for me, without Stark and Smith and all these that you've mentioned that are already potentially devaluing the competition, that's my only concern. Um, I, I think he'll be there next concept year. It might work. Concept is going to work. I think the concept's going to work because they'll yeah. because professional cricketers will make it work. I agree I with just, that. I agree with that. Look, I just worry. I'll enjoy the game too. I don't think there's any hypocrisy there. You know, I think the game will be fun. I think the cricketers are terrific. Uh, What's not to like? It's cricket. But those problems that you mentioned, as I say, India are in uh, the Caribbean this time next year. So these problems will still exist. I still think there'll be difficulties getting players. England will still have an incredibly hectic international schedule. So there will still be all these problems. I just... You know, I don't think anyone was saying, do you know what we need? We need more cricket. <laughs> it's just sort of ludicrous, pouring more on, on a cup that's overflowing. Look, and, and there were other things they could have done, apart from just having a bit more free to air. How about the equivalent of a four or five nations T20 competition played in a bank holiday weekend? Get Wales involved, get Ireland involved, get Scotland involved. They could have done that. They, they, there are so many other things they could have done. I would have had a, a T20 FA Cup style knockout. Give it to free-to-air TV. Let's not even try and make any money. Start with, say, Cornwall playing Somerset or whatever. And then, you know, you have a knockout. I just think that could have been, it would have caused very little disruption. It would have ensured that cricket was played and uh, had media attention in different areas of the country. See, see what they've done now is they've actually shrunk the game. They've gone to cities. Well, okay, but what if you are from Devon? Or something like that. Are you honestly telling me that people from Devon are going to support Welsh fire? That means ludicrous. All they're going to do is resent it. I say this as a Somerset supporter who's had its team absolutely ransacked. You know, I think Surrey have lost 12 players to the the 100. Well, how are they? You know, I just think that's caused resentment. I I think a lot, and I know it's, I I don't speak for everybody by any means, and, and opinion is divided. I think a lot of traditional cricket lovers resent the hundred because it's actually damaging something that we care about and i thought you know there was some marketing from welsh fire and it said proving the haters wrong that irritated me i mean that felt like a proper slap in the face i'm not being funny but i have loved and nurtured and tried to champion county cricket for 25 years or something whoever long i've been doing this to be told i'm a hater and we you, yeah. And we you. How bloody dare they? How yeah. bloody dare they say that we're haters? We've kept them going for bloody decades. George, um, last week I said the ECB appeared to have got into a situation where they've put all their chips on one number of the roulette wheel. I mean, we're just very quickly, because you, you sound like you need to go for a run and let off some steam, but <laughs> we we have to we have to support it. If we love cricket. In England, we have to support the 100, don't we? We have to hope that that number comes up. I'm not sure. I, I, I think, having thought about this quite a lot, I think we don't. I think we can think that if it fails immediately, we can move to something else. My own fear is that the damage is done and they'll move to an eight-team T20 competition. And I would have had a problem with that as well, to be honest. As I say, my issue is not the format. I don't like playing in a white ball window. I think that's a problem. I know players like it and I respect that, but I think it's a mistake because it means that you're prioritising. So I'm afraid I do think the damage is done, whatever happens, but I think it's quite important that actually it doesn't succeed because then 
we maybe embrace county cricket again and appreciate that it's not perfect and it definitely was ripe for change you know the counties are absolutely in part the architects of this they haven't moved with the times they are you know culpable they are no no doubt about it but i do think that that is still the route to go and that by disenfranchising tens of thousands of people who just see themselves as cricket lovers is a remarkably poor marketing move hey i might be proved wrong i all i would say that the cricket will be quite good i'm sure and the fact that it's on free to wear might be very relevant but you could have had quite good cricket on free to wear without risking anything without risking anything so why not have done that george keep up the good work so so good to chat as always good, good to see you both good to see you both anytime eh that was ESPN Crick Info's senior writer, George Dobell. No doubt about how strongly he feels. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe and Double Ashes winner, Steve Harmison. And next, we'll hear from Trent Rocket star man, Joe Root, and we'll be joined by Welsh Fire head coach, Gary Kirsten. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including... England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. It's time for a franchise setup, isn't it? Uh, I think you know there's always going to be critics out there, but until they see the quality of the lineups, and now they've seen the quality of the lineups, and people will be going, "Wow, that's some decent players." You know, your quality of um, domestic players squeezing from you know 18 counties into eight basically franchises. I think it's pretty exciting. I think people love it. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. 
If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, <clears throat> you can listen back to the podcast now available on the following on feed via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Time now to continue our build-up to the start of the 100 and hear from England Test Captain Joe Root, who says the 100 presents an opportunity to make cricket even bigger in England. It's a great chance to, to grow the game. I know there's been a lot of talk about it. Um, I think it's going to be really good for English cricket and some good young English players are going to have great exposure to work with and play against some of the world's best um, coaches and players. So it's, I think it's brilliant for the game. And in terms of first picks, Rashid Khan, he's not bad, is he? No, he's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> very happy with that one. Um, I think there was a lot of noise and people expecting that to be the case. But um, no, I think it's a very shrewd move. Spinners have generally had a lot of success in in 20, 2020 cricket, and obviously this be slightly different. But someone with his skill and what he can do, impact he can have on a game, I think is a very shrewd selection. I spoke to Chris Wokes last week, and he was saying he's excited by the prospects of the strategies involved. You see, like the Southern Brave, they've gone quite crash bang wallop with their selections, whereas Birmingham have gone quite knuckleball bowlers, that sort of stuff. And he loves to see the sort of how a captain would manoeuvre the field to, to suit different players. As a test captain, are you excited by that challenge of, of, of captaining or, or if, if you are captaining the side, the, the sort of tactics involved? I, th- I think just looking at the game and the different ways in which you could go and it, like you say, the way sides have set up, it does tailor around certain plans, if you like, but you will have to think about it differently. You'll find yourself in situations and scenarios which you've never found yourself in before. And as players, you've got to learn that very quickly. But I think through it, you'll, you'll see that have a knock-on effect with the other formats. Um, and guys take that into 50-over cricket, test cricket eventually, down the line. So I think it'll grow the game, and I think it'll improve the game. I think 2020 cricket has improved skill level throughout all formats and I think this will have the same impact. That was Trent Rocket's batsman and the England Test captain Joe Root speaking with TalkSport's Scott Taylor. I'm delighted to say that we're joined live on the line now by Welsh Fire head coach Gary Kirsten who is uh, just coming towards the end of his period of of, uh, quarantine or self-isolation. Gary you've had uh, a lot of time in the (laughs) in the last week to think about this tournament but you've had a lot of time in the last two years to think about it. Man, it's been crazy, hasn't it? It's just, uh, in fact, it was, when was it? In 2019, we came for the draft. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, and, and everything's changed quite a bit since then. So um, I think it's great that it's eventually getting off the ground. Shame. I'm, I do feel for the organisers and the effort that they've put into this event. And eventually it's hopefully going to take place and, and we're going to see through the tournament. And your squad doesn't look very much like it did when... Uh when you chose them in 2019 you've had a lot of withdrawals not your, just your squad but everybody yeah the, yeah our squad's changing every day actually so it's, it's an interesting one but I'm sure it's the same for every team but yeah it's just uh, it, it, it is what it is isn't it you just have to accept it and just move on I mean I think it's great to be part of the, of this event it's a it's a new one for us all and it's uh, yeah it's great to get in the mix and 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 to be part of something like this Gary, was there any concern with COVID coming over to, to coach in, in the 100? I know there's a lot of people pulled out. Stephen Fleming has pulled out as coach. Was there any concern for Gary Kirsten? Steve, no. I mean, it's, uh, I'm a South African. Eh? We're a pretty resilient bunch, eh? so we'll go anywhere in the world, to be honest. But um, 
Yeah, listen, I think, I think it's unprecedented times for us all. Um, I think there's always frustration around um, the way it's kind of stopped us from living like we, like we want to live. But I think it's, you know, we've got to be realistic about it. I think our biggest fears are always um, around family and just that they're safe and healthy. And, you know, we cricket coaches, we've got to get around the world. We've got to travel, you know. So it's something that I'm used to doing. In fact, I'm not, I'm not very travel fit. I haven't uh, been involved in a, in a coaching gig now for the better part of two years. So I'm actually looking forward to the opportunity. And there was a lot of criticism in 2019 when – um, the coaches were announced that there was a lot of foreign coaches that came in, for, especially for some some England former England cricketers. But do you feel as though the value of what the ECB have put into the hundred and what they're trying to make the hundred to be that it had to have coaches from all around the world with different ideas, different mentality, and to give the the, the competition you know some credibility as well. Yeah, Steve, I think you're spot on. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you you know, you're always going to have people that are resistant to change and then suddenly change happens and, you know, you can convert them. Say, well, you know, what a great thing. I remember how resistant people were when the IPL started in 2008 in India. And now it's one of the, you know, the greatest cricketing events around. So I think it's good. I think certainly the conversations I've had with our players at the Welsh Fire, they're very excited about a new competition. They're going to play with a new bunch of of cricket of players um it's a new team and kind of with newness comes excitement you know pe- people kind of enjoy it and and doing things slightly different i'm i just i've had a bit of a taste of what the county season is like having been on the periphery of some of the players and it can get quite mundane and routine so i think uh, everyone's looking forward to this month and there's something, there's one thing, if there's one thing that you as a coach, because you've been studying it now for two years, trying to get your head around the new rules and the regs and everything that goes with it, is the one thing that you think that is going to enhance the game of cricket for the public to watch? Because this is what the idea of the 100's been. It's been something new, two and a half hour match. It's something different. What is it going to get people's sort of bums on seats? Yeah, that's a good question. And, I, you know, I think, you know, the bottom line is, is the vision to, to find a new cricket market. And I think it is, you know, I think it is to find other people that might have generated interest in the game. So that's, that's one thing. I think the, the rules are quite funky and, and, and interesting. I mean, there might be uh, a, an opportunity to, to kind of have a look and understand that. I know from a player's and a coach's perspective, we're all looking for that competitive advantage, but um, the intel that I've received is um, it's all fairly new. There was a couple of trial games a few years back, and I didn't get a whole lot out of that. So we, it's going to be trial and error. I think we're going to kind of work out as we as we go along as to where the competitive advantages lie within the teams. But it's great. It's a franchise tournament. Um, you know, you've got um, players that are that are out of the, the various jurisdictions that are playing for for teams. Us as coaches are of trying like anything in a, in a very short space of time to build cohesion and, you know, to get, to get the players to, to play for a, for a, for, for a shared purpose, which is not easy, but um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I'm looking forward to it, you know, obviously we, the teams want to win and do well. We want to, you know, show that we, we've got something and, uh, and, and that we pick the right players, but uh, I think it's just going to be an exciting, fun event. There are certain things that you must be finding very difficult to plan for, like the 10 ball over. Do you have any thoughts on who and why and when they might be appropriate to, for a bowler to bowl a 10 ball over? I mean, have you found a fast bowler who's excited about that prospect? <laughs> well, if he's, got, if he's got two wickets in the over and has gone for one run, 
at the end of his five, maybe you convince him to, convince him to do another five. Yeah, I think that's probably going to be where the big uh, strategic plays are going to happen, you know, from a captaincy and, and, and a coaching perspective is what do you do around that time? I mean, you might find a spinner who's going really well, the ball's turning a bit and, you know, you can just keep, you can keep going with him. He bowls his 10, he doesn't bowl the next five and then you bring him on for another five and then you bring him on for another 10. I mean, it's, or another five. So it's, he can bowl 20 balls out of 20, out of 25. It's, it's amazing. So I think that's where you where we'll find the, the 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 big differences that you will get in the in this compared to a 120 ball game. And just quickly, a word about some of the players in your squad. Um, Johnny Bastos, uh, your 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 big name player, I suppose at the top of the order. Ollie Pope, of course, is probably going to be injured. Glenn Phillips has had an amazing um, season in the blast, so uh, he'll be fun to watch. Liam Plunkett, World Cup winner. He's um, I don't think we've, we're trying to find out how much cricket he's been he's playing played recently. Have, well have you? I don't think he's. I don't think he's. I think he hasn't. Doesn't played one game. So that'll be interesting <laughs> to watch. Is that best when fresh? <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be best when fresh, Liam. Isn't he? He's going to be chomping at the bit. I'm sure he's going to be that's chomping that, to get going. That's, a, that's been our. That's been our strategy: play as little cricket as possible, and then get into the tournament. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if I look at our our squad, obviously it's changed. Uh, Fair amount. Um, we we hearing that that uh, Johnny Besto, who we've kind of designated as our captain, is now suddenly becoming a, 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 a Test cricketer again. So <laughs> we could have him for maybe one or two games. But um, I think I think we're just kind of used to the chopping and changing around. But I think as a as a squad, we've got some nice options. We've got a bit of depth in our batting, which is something that was important because we weren't sure who was going to be available and not available. Um, we've got some guys that have been in some fairly good form in the blast, which I'm pleased about. Um, ben Duckett's done quite nicely for knots. Ian Cobain got a score the other day, which was which was good for us. And um, yeah, we've got. I think I think we've got some 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 decent depth in there. And then and then our our bowling lineup. We've we've obviously recruited in Lungi Ngidi from South Africa, but he's not available for the first few games. So we've got Nisham uh, James Nisham in. So. We're going to have to be a little bit more creative around our bowling, but uh, we'll see how it goes. And how much are you looking forward to working with Johnny? Because I know you might might have him for three games, but you might have him for the whole lot. He's got so much experience in T20 when winning with the Sunrisers. Um, you know, he's he is one of your marquee signings. It'll be it'll be disappointing to lose him to Test matches from a selfish point of view. Yeah, Steve, it will be because I think it was been been a fair amount of planning around it. I mean, um, I was keen for him to captain the side, and he was keen as well because he wants to kind of broaden his game a little bit. Um, you know, he's a great player; he's very competitive, and he's got a way of playing that is very endearing for short format cricket. So I'm looking forward to working with him. We've had a fair amount of conversations already, but uh, you know, it is what it is. I mean, if he's if he's getting a chance to play Test cricket for England, and we're not going to have him. You know, that's the priority. It's as simple as that. And we need to ex- accept and move with the times. But I certainly will, you know, look forward to the bit of time that I have working with him. You know, I think um, we've realized now that, uh, you know, coaching in short format cricket is quite involved, you know, and there's quite a lot to do. It's not like test match cricket where the whole game unfolds a lot slower. Um, th- there's a lot of moving parts in a week. So um, I'm kind of looking forward to to getting into the energy around that. Well, we're looking forward to uh, watching the the tournament as well, Gary. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, good luck with the Welsh fire. Thanks, guys. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, 
and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And in the final part of the show, we'll hear from England bowler Kate Cross as we continue to look ahead to the start of the inaugural 100 competition. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison as we continue to build up to the start of the inaugural 100 competition. It's time now to hear from England bowler Kate Cross, who will be captaining the Manchester Originals. And she's been telling TalkSport how important it is that the women get to kickstart the tournament on Wednesday evening. I didn't know this. It's incredible news that we're, we're getting to, to have the first ball of it. And I think, again, it just goes to show kind of the, the level playing field that we're going to be on with the guys. And um, there's obviously been a lot of talk about that in the media, but um, I think that that and the, the equal prize money is just um, pretty incredible from the ECB that they've, they've kind of pushed for that. And um, again, it's for us as players, we just you know, we can be as appreciative as we want for the things that get said, but when things are actually getting done, you know, we're kind of starting to see things take a bit more shape now and we're kind of really seeing how equal they want to treat us, which is, you know, like I said, as, as for us as players, is really important. Yeah, and you look at the Manchester original squad, you've got the Zoli, Mignon, Dupria there as well, and, and you look at the other squads in the 100, there's so many star international players from the women's games. Does that just show you how in demand the 100 is for, for women's cricket. Yeah, we, I mean, we've been crying out for something like this in, in the UK. We obviously had the KSL, which was kind of our stepping stone to get towards, you know, to get people interested in coming over and playing cricket in England. But you've only got to look at the likes of the Big Bash and and what kind of is being created in the IPL over in India. But the, there's, you know, there's a thirst for women's cricket. We saw that with the crowds that we've got in the World Cup final, and that was in 2017 and in 2020 as well. So, you know, it's there. People want to pay money to watch it and you know we just need the support like I've said from the ECB to be able to to have that but the the amount of oh, the the names that we're getting signed up for the the 100 has just been incredible and it's going to be you know as good as anything else that's that's out there at the minute and it's going to look a bit different but at the end of the day it's still a game of cricket and it's whoever scores the most runs wins so you know you can't go too far away from that you said it's going to be a different game of cricket. I have to point out the, the obvious, so it's only 100 balls compared to compared to 20 overs. Um, will that make a, a huge difference for you guys, or or how do you approach that? I think it's going to take a, maybe a year or so to kind of get used to the tactics of it specifically. But for me, it's just obviously, like you said, it's less balls. So you've got hopefully less people needing to bat. I think this case harsh on the bowlers. I think I keep saying that cricket is a, a batter's game, but um, they seem to be finding new ways to make it even more challenging for us. But that's the excitement of the game. You know, everyone loves 2020 cricket. That's where you see most of the money. You see a lot of people in, you know, the big crowds sell, sold out for the T20 games. And it's because of that excitement. And, you know, you get down to the final couple of overs and you still don't know who's going to win. So, um, I've absolutely no doubt that the 100 is going to create that as well in the men and the women's game. And I think people are interested in it because they don't quite know what it's going to look like yet. But we've played some warm-up games for it. It was a while back now, it's a couple of years, but it's a game of cricket. You know, it, it felt exactly the same pretty much. You just counted to five instead of six, which is actually really helpful because it's one hand. Paul Shaw is your head coach at the Manchester Originals for... How um, you must have played under him when he was England coach back in 2013, yeah, yeah. 14. So how how key is it for you to have that familiarity in in someone like Paul? Yeah, well, he gave me my debut for England, so yeah, it's like a nice little circle for me because I think Shawsy's the the kind of coach that you know he instills a lot of confidence in players, 
And I think that's really important for where we are as a group and he's our regional coach as well for the Northwest Thunder. Um, and he, he's just the kind of character that, that you know, the ener- energetic, the remember why you played the game kind of attitude towards cricket, which I think sometimes gets lost in professional sport. Um, I think he's just going to be a real positive force around the dressing room, which I think goes a long way in competitive, well, competition cricket specifically, because you kind of need that that coach that trusts you as a player to be able to go out and do what you need to do for the team and, and shows he's exactly that kind of character. The Manchester Originals captain, Kate Cross, speaking to Talk Sports' Scott Taylor ahead of the start of the inaugural 100 tournament this week. Well, Harmi, uh, George Dobell spoke with great passion uh, about the women's game. And there's no doubt, I think, I certainly haven't heard anyone doubt that uh, the 100 will be a huge shot in the arm for the women's game. Yeah, it, it, it's something I think, when you look at the men's game, is it a gamble? Is it not a gamble with all the things that's going on around it? I think we've got, we've got to try and detach the women's game from that comparison because I think the more the more high-profile women's cricket that's played and in the public eye, I think the better the, the, the product will be. And I think that is, I think that's the challenge for, for the game at, at, at the women's level at this minute in time. More exposure, bigger crowds, bigger atmospheres where the players will get better because of playing in these big atmospheres, which will make the players better. Um, and, and fingers crossed, we can get some more you know, young girls into watching. I know I've got a, a 13 year old niece who just loves the game of cricket because she watched the women's game earlier, earlier this year. She watched the test match. She thought it was brilliant. She's now playing and she's now enjoying it. And I'm sure, I'm sure there's hundreds of little girls like Ava around that are, are just watching the game and hoping that they can be the next Kate Cross, and, you know, the next the next England players. And that, for me, is the challenge that the ECB have got to try and drive and develop cricket at, at, at the top level of the women's game from a domestic point of view. Because I think internationally, we've got a good, a good, a decent side. We've just got to make sure we consistently make that side better. And I think co- competitions like this, best players playing with each other, and some of the you know the, the the players that aren't getting international recognition, playing with players that are getting are playing for England and for other teams around the world, I think that can only be a positive and a benefit. So fingers crossed that that is what's going to happen for the for the women's hundred. Breaking boundaries on Talksport Two with the Institute of Cricket. For the best chance of making it in professional cricket, you need to train with us. Find out more at instituteofcricket.com. Right, it's time now for the breaking boundaries feature. And many thanks, as always, to David Smith and the Institute of Cricket. David, uh, Freedom Day, we've, uh, we've all enjoyed it now. It's, uh, it's come and gone. But how are the government's lifting of restrictions uh, affecting you? Well, it's been a strange year, clearly, in terms of participation in cricket. I think that when we've been open, we've never been busier. I, I can honestly say that I've never felt busier with the, the children and the parents that are so, just so desperate to get their kids back into activity. So... You know, from that perspective, it's been great. You know, when we talk about Freedom Day, I mean, the amount of isolations that are going on at the moment are are making it not a Freedom Day in certainly in our area at the moment, because there are so many matches and practice sessions and, you know, and parents cancelling sessions because their children are currently in isolation. So, hey, it's just another roadblock that we've got to get through in a a crazy year. But we'll we'll certainly get through that. And um, hopefully once the children are out of school, things will start to calm down a little bit. David, we've been talking on this show, me and Manners, to a, a whole host of people about the, the new ECB competition, the 100. 
how do you see that impacting on maybe schools cricket, juniors, or anything like that? Has it, has it affected any of your summer camps coming up? Because you, you'll have summer camps coming up. Do you, do you see anything changing because of a new format that the ECB have brought in? I think it will take. I think it will take a year of the new format for things to really start to develop. There's definitely the appetite for cricket in this country. I've got no doubt about that. I, I think parents are starting to see the advertising and the, and the national marketing campaigns for the 100 ball. And obviously people are talking to me about booking tickets to go and see the competition at Edgebaston. So I think it will take a little bit of time for it to really uh, capture the imagination of the, the, the children because I think we've already got the blast in place as well at the moment. The, the competition will be really successful. I've got no doubt about that. But I think it will just take a year for it to really start to... For, children to start to support a team necessarily yeah. uh, and for that loyalty to start to develop. Um, but the fact that the, the, the games are going to be on terrestrial TV, I think will make a massive difference as well. And looking ahead, David, I've, I've been around Northumberland's under 13s all, all summer. Um, and we talked about isolation and talk about freedom there. And the kids have been decimated by being not being able to play because they've been, they've been taken out of the game. What do you see the challenges moving forward later on into the summer and into possibly into the winter? Because the reason why I asked that question is some of the kids best, best learning and development is in you know winter coaching and winter nets because you get a longer time with the children. Do you see that because you'll be planning for that program? Do you see that having any impact? I think there's always still a, a worry. I think as a business owner, you've always got a plan uh, for different possibilities. And, and I would like to think that we wouldn't go backwards from where we are at the moment, but I think like everything, you never know at the moment. And we're, we're planning, we, we've got a full range of programs running across this winter and we are exceptionally busy, as, we, as I said before, in the summer as well. Uh, I, just, I just hope that we, we actually, we built a marquee last year to, to run our winter programme out so that we weren't reliant upon any indoor venues opening or closing so that we were in full control of our own destiny. And there's a part of me that's thinking we may have to look to, to rebuild that again over the winter just in case things don't go the way that we all expect. Um, and, I, and I think in terms of contact time, certainly the, the most time that you spend with the kids is certainly in the winter phase working towards that, that summer period. Once it gets to the summer, you tend not to see them as much because they're just fully focused on game time. But yeah, from our perspective, winter is where the main bulk of the technical work is done, definitely. Finally, you know, you talk about the marquee and everything that goes with it. You know, tell us a bit more about where we can find you and, and, sure. and you know, push push what you're trying to drive to get these kids not only playing sport, playing cricket, yeah. but trying to make them better. Yeah, so look, completecricket.co.uk, instituteofcricket.co.uk. We're really looking forward to a really exciting summer. We've got camps running across Warwickshire, Gloucestershire, Derbyshire, Oxfordshire. We've got numerous uh, places that are being sold already. And, you know, the numbers for our camps have honestly never been busier. And we're really looking forward to uh, a really exciting summer, obviously tying in now with the, with the new competition, the 100 Ball. So, so, yeah, please have a look at our website and, and get booking. Many thanks for your time, as always. And thank you for your support, David. No worries, guys. Great to see you again. That was the Breaking Boundaries feature and many thanks to the Institute of Cricket, the place to train for the best part of making it. Breaking Boundaries on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. For the best chance of making it in professional cricket, you need to train with us. Find out more at instituteofcricket.com. Final thoughts, you got... 20 seconds. Anything you want to get off your chest? Anything you haven't said about the 100 before we wrap? I think, no, I think it's, again, I think we've, we've more or less said everything. I think it's going to be fascinating to see how it goes. 
I was skeptical at the start. It's here now. Let's get behind it. Let's back it. Let's hope that it becomes the best product that we can possibly be. And this time next week, we'll have seen a few games and we think, you know what? What a fantastic game of cricket. What fantastic cricket we've seen. Fingers crossed we're not seeing. I didn't understand it. <laughs> You've been listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can listen back to the podcast now available via the free TalkSport app. We'll be back at the same time next week. This has been the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 